Hello, gorgeous. Hi, and welcome to Screening Room with Chet and Dee. I'm Chet. And I'm Dee. I'm a boomer. And I'm a millennial, and we both love classic movies. We think you're going to love them, too, if you give them a shot. Which is where we come in. We're here to talk about those old movies. We tell you why we think they're so good, and we give you a little background about how they were made. And we also talk about what those movies can teach us, about history, about people. And maybe even about the meaning of life. Good movies try to do that, after all. And that's why we want you to watch them. That's right. But before we talk to you about this week's movie... We need to we talk need about our sponsor. Our sponsor. Yeah. Pets for Refugees. Pets for Refugees? What is Pets for Refugees? Pets for Refugees is an upstate New York not-for-profit. What's it do? It subsidizes the care for refugees to adopt... Pets? ...companions. And so they pay for the vet care, food, future bills... And so it's a win-win for a life saved and a life... So basically, they get pets for... Refugees. Refugees. Indeed. Wow. Aptly named. Okay. And the other thing we should mention is that today is April 15th, and that's a very special day, and we all know why, right? Yeah, Jackie Robinson Day. Yeah, Jackie Robinson debuted in Major League Baseball, broke the color line on this day in 1947, and of course, they actually made a movie about Jackie Robinson's life called The Jackie Robinson Story, and they got Jackie Robinson to star in that movie. It's so good. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about that. We're not. No, No, we're not talking about that movie, because April 15th is also something else. Tax Day. Yeah, but this year they postponed the tax filing deadline. So we've got one more thing that April 15th is famous for. Famous, yes. Yes. My birthday. It's famous as Dee's birthday. And so, because it's her birthday, we're going to do... My favorite movie. Of all all time. time. Of all time. And there will never be, we're pretty sure, no matter how many more movies are made, another movie... (laughs) that is more beloved by Dee than this particular movie. Starring Barbara Streisand. Yes. Funny Girl. I'm not even going to give the (laughs) co-billing. Funny Girl. From 1968, Barbara Streisand, Omar Sharif, directed by William Wyler. The screenplay is by Isabel Leonard, who also wrote the musical book for the Broadway musical, which Barbara had done a few years before. And from 64 to 67. And this is her first movie. Oh, and the, the music and lyrics for both the Broadway show and the, the, the film are Jewel Stein and Bob Merrill. Those are the main people you need to know about. But no, mostly this is Barbara Streisand, her film debut, her most famous role of all time. Put it in the vault. Yeah. So, yeah, well, well, I guess we should talk first. We'll, we'll, we'll give a quick synopsis, and then we'll just get into why this is... In Dee's mind, the greatest film ever made in the history of the world. I will die on a hill for it. Okay, here's the synopsis. And, and, and I'm going to do the synopsis in my old-time Broadway musical voice, okay? So it's just going to okay. be Chet reading. Just, Just me. Funny Girl is the fictionalized biography of Fanny Bryce, the headlining star of Florence Ziegfeld's Follies. The film opens with Fanny, already a star, showing up early at the theater and embarking on a long flashback. We see her as a young woman being rejected for a part in a vaudeville chorus line because she's not pretty or graceful enough. 
She talks her way into a roller skating act and ends up stealing the show with her comic performance, which leads to a contract as a solo act. The same night, she meets a dashing gambler named Nikki Einstein, who bluffs her way into a raise from her boss. Fanny is swept away by Nikki, but figures she'll never see him again. Fanny's big break comes when Florence Ziegfeld signs her to a contract as a singer and comedian. Fanny is awestruck by Ziegfeld, but still finds the courage to defy him when he casts her in the role of a beautiful bride. Fanny can't see herself playing the part straight, so she stuffs a pillow up her dress to fake a pregnancy and does the bit for laughs. The number is a huge hit, and she's on her way to top billing for the Follies. That same night, she sees Nikki again. Then their romance begins, although he will be in and out of her life for the next couple of years as he travels around the globe looking for gambling venues and breeding horses. When Fanny goes on the road with the Follies, she runs into Arnstein again, and at the end of the week together, he tells her he loves her. Fanny decides to leave the Follies in order to be with Nick. She suggests they get married, and Nick says he will after his next big score as a gambler, which comes soon thereafter. After they're married, Fanny resumes her career. Her fame and wealth grow, but Nicky's fortunes take a turn for the worse, and his pride suffers. Fanny arranges an investment deal for Nick, using her own money, but Nick is humiliated and angry when he finds out. Shortly thereafter, Nick gets arrested for his role in an illegal bond deal and lands in jail. Fanny stands by her man, but Nick thinks the relationship is over. They agree to reevaluate after he serves his time. The flashback ends, and we realize today is the day Nick gets released. He visits Fanny in her dressing room, and Fanny, realizing that Nick is going to say it's over, beats him to the punch, even though we know she's still in love with him. The movie ends with a tearful Fanny singing her signature number, My Man. Oh my goodness! Is it? Are we? Is it nineteen twenty or twenty twenty? I. It's hard Kinda to tell. Like, isn't it? I don't it, know where it, we are. Yeah, it feels like we went back in time. Yeah. Okay. So that was a really good. I think Barbara would like that synopsis. Well, I hope so. I, I hope think you so. did her well. We lived. Did please. her proud. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about this thing. What's? Uh, wh- wh- why? Why is this movie so good? Because Barbara is so good. She. It's It's all Barbara. It is it's all, all Barbara. She steals the show. She really does. I mean I, She th- can th- do it all. Yeah. I uh, it's the acting. It's the singing. It's, it's the look. It's the costumes. It's the it's the, the it's the comedy. It's the, the drama. It's the romance. It's the performance. It's it's she everything. It has perfect timing. Yeah, and again, it's it's this is her first movie, and there's first there's feature film. I mean, we bragged about Greer Garson's. Yeah, uh, it, and this is. I'm sorry, but yeah, and there is a big difference between performing live, on Broadway, on a stage, and and being in a movie. These are completely different genres of performance. And she comes in right away. And, and part of what we learn about her is that she learns everything there is to learn about how the movie itself was made. And she exerts tremendous... Uh, she cons- watches the dailies and is really hyper-focused on how she walks, how she talks, how she looks. So they did a ton of changes with her makeup, her hair, her wardrobe, her... Yeah, she even gets, gets involved in yeah. Uh, how's the the lighting and the, and, and and again, the, 
cinematographer, um, Harry. Uh, well, and well, she's working with the Stradling. Di- yeah, we got to mention she's working with a director who's near the end of his career. But William Wyler, he's already won three Oscars for best director. He nominated nine other times. He's about as big a name as you can possibly have in in Hollywood and movie making. And most of his actors have had won a, yeah, an Academy like, Award for best. Yeah, like 13 different actors. actor or actor. Get, yeah. get best director. Okay, so he's got as big a reputation as you can possibly have. And Barbara ends up suggesting to him just how this film should be made <laughs> uh, in her first movie. But what, what was it that Weiler said about it? Somebody asked, asked Weiler if she was hard to work with. Yeah, uh, no, not hard to work with, considering... It's the first movie she's ever directed? directed yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, this He movie... gifted her with a director's megaphone after filming wrapped up. Yeah, and she eventually does even direct her own movies later in her career. So. There's pretty much nothing she has doesn't have a cap for. Yeah, so it's... it. Yeah, this is 100% Barbara... And although she and Weiler got along, she didn't actually get along with everybody involved in making this film because she was so assertive. Um, and she would make them reshoot tons of scenes. Yeah, and she, she wanted it to be perfect. Yeah, and but to their credit, the people making the movie realized this. And, and Barbara, we should say, it's her first movie. But she is already a big star. Yeah, she's already had number one songs, and yeah, she, she had her own she, television show after appearing on Judy Garland's show. They were CBS and Judy Garland were so impressed with her that they, she booked her. She has her had her own TV show. Yeah, and and keep in mind in okay, this is in the 1960s, and and TV is big. But it's, it's still just, you've got three networks. So if they're going to decide to devote a primetime network TV slot to a Broadway star, it's a big deal. And most of the country is going to know she, who she is after that if they haven't already you know been to Broadway and seen her there. So she is a big star. Well, even and, though and that internationally, too. Uh, people internationally loved her voice. So... She had many fans by this time. Yeah, and in the middle of shooting is when she does her concert in the in the in the park. Yeah, yeah, in New York, and, yes. and it's that's a huge hundreds success. of thousands of people. Yeah, so um, yeah, like I said, it's it's not like she's a nobody, even though it's her first movie, and the the script, the movie, it it really is reshaped to fit Barbara. And everything else is kind of an afterthought, including some of the other characters in the script. Um, and, and famously... Are you talking about Georgina? Yeah, Georgina. Yeah, if you, if you watch this movie, you'll think, oh, there's a little cameo by, you know... Anne Francis? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of a bigger part, apparently, when it was first written. You know, she's supposed to be Fanny Bryce's best friend, and, yeah, by the time this is over, she's got about ten lines in. Um, you know, she's got maybe ten seconds worth of close-ups, and that's, that's it for Georgina. 
That's all she needed, though, honestly. Yeah, well, and but the thing of it is... It's not about Georgina and Fanny Bryce. Right, and... If you if you look at this film, it's it's broken into two acts, and if you look at the original version, they've actually, you know there's an intermission in there and all that. And the first act is all about Fanny Bryce's rise to fame, and that that's told pretty faithfully, um, and that's I think that's really well written. It's it's exciting. The musical numbers are great. Barbara's performance is great. And when you get to the second act, it's mostly about Fanny and Nikki. And I would suggest that um, that's not as exciting. Um, it's a little slow and it's a little sappy, but by that time, who cares? Because you're just waiting. Uh, when's Barbara going to sing again? <laughs> what's her next number? What's, what, what's the next costume that she's going to wear going to look like? Uh, what's your favorite costume? Um... Probably the orange dress that she wears for the the uh, don't rain on my parade. Don't rain on my parade, which is the, really the, yeah. That's the show-stopping number. She's uh, I, in. It costs like a quarter of a million dollars, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. you know some movies don't cost that much to make. But just to film that song sequence because it starts in a train station and then she gets on a train and she's still singing on the train and we've got a helicopter shot of her from the window of the train and then she goes and famously gets on the tugboat and she's still singing the same song on the tugboat. She's still got her roses that are dying. Yeah, and again, we've got the helicopter shot of her close in on the tugboat and then it gets way far away so we can see. I mean, and this is all strung together just beautifully. That might be my favorite, plus the hats. She's she wears about oh my gosh when she comes off the train with a hat yeah oh but do you have a different favorite costume I would say it's probably I mean it's probably what everybody else's is when it's uh, you are a woman I am man Uh, oh the blue the blue oh the electric because they have the purple eyeshadow against her blue eyes and no I love that outfit yeah. And that's, I, like I said, this, this is, the, the first half of the film, I think, it's, it's, a, it's a compelling story, and it's, it's, it's Barbara and the story of Fanny Bryce. And by the second half of the, the movie, it's just Barbara. Yeah. And that's enough. That's enough to carry it. I do agree that it does get a little slow, because by the time that she gets to where she's singing My Man, you're all of a sudden back to the beginning where you just have, like, a strong... You're just glued to it, and you're just like your stomach is. You feel your passionate, and <laughs> you're transported into Barbara. No, you really. are in her soul. But I also liked that outfit choice, and just the ear. I mean, her hair choice and the earring choice for that final scene was also just. Yeah. I loved that as well, even though it was the simplest look she ever had on there. Well, right, and it seems like. Uh, the, the the costumes get less colorful and more sophisticated as she ages because we like at the beginning we see her wearing a little, little kind of little sailor dress and then with the first time she's on stage in the roller skating number it's this purple and green with the grapes on her <laughs> yeah with yeah um, and then yeah we get the the colorful but more sophisticated dresses when she's the big time star I don't understand how they aged her like that because she is so 
yeah, she's so fun and goofy and charming when in the beginning, and then all of a sudden she grows up before your eyes. Yeah. Well, and maybe we like should that her range to do that though. Yeah. Because you don't even it just happens naturally. You don't even realize. Oh, oh, she's grown up. Yeah. Well, and we should talk about the, how much of this. This is a biographical picture. There really is a Fanny Bryce. She really was the the biggest star in the Ziegfeld Follies. But it's not 100% true to life. Um, they take uh, quite a few liberties with it. But it, the first half of the film is is much more, probably much more faithful to Fanny's real life. But she didn't have a rags to riches. She was right. already a ri- from a rich family. Yeah, or at least, uh, well, they or show had some that... some money where she had some yeah, connection. Her, her mom owns a saloon. So it's it's kind of uh, you know middle class um, uh, all Jewish neighborhood, um, I guess in the Bronx. I'm not. I think it's in the Bronx on Henry Street. Yeah, yeah. somebody real New Yorkers will know. Um, but we're not really New Yorkers. We're upstaters. Okay, we'll admit that. Barbara did. She used to perform uh, in upstate. Oh really? Yeah. Did not know that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so Fanny really is, and she's, she did start uh, performing as a teenager, at, at which they briefly allude to in the movie, and in fact, she, she quits school. I don't know if she even graduates high school. It says that she quits school, and she's like 18 or 19 hmm. when she um, becomes a solo act in vaudeville. Uh, she does get discovered at a really young age by... Ziegfeld, and it is a lot like it it plays out in the in the movie, and she does almost immediately become his biggest star. Um, I guess the 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 wedding number where she stuffs at the last minute she stuffs the pillow. I guess that's that's fictionalized. She didn't actually do that, and people said no, she would never take a chance like that. She had too much respect for Ziegfeld, but he clearly recognized her comic genius and her singing ability and she was his number one star no question about that so that part of 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 fanny bryce is pretty true to life and nikki arnstein is very much a true character she did marry the guy um and he was a, a gambler and a horse breeder um but beyond that there's quite a bit of fictionalization with the nikki character um, in fact, I would suggest to you that there's no way that there ever could be a Nicky Arnstein like the Nicky Arnstein in the in the movie. He's he's a uh, he's a unicorn. Okay, somebody comes to you and says, "I'm a professional gambler." You need to say to that person, "That's not a thing." Okay, there isn't a thing professional gambler unless you own a casino. You're not a professional. Gambler. Now you could be rich. You could have lots of business ventures, but it, it, you could also be a gambler, and you could be a really good gambler, and you could win more than you lose. But if you're going to be a professional gambler, uh, you're also going to be a con man and a grifter and a bit of a sociopath because you make your whole living by taking money away from other people, 
and they portray Nick as being this really noble and dashing and, and genteel and proper guy, when in real life he's not like that. What do you know about the real life, Nikki Arnstein? He's a real jerk, a real putz, a real schmuck. Yeah. He, in fact, he had been in jail multiple times before he marries Fanny. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, in fact, he was still married when he met her and didn't actually tell her about it for quite a while. And so they lived together for a while. Then he finally gets the divorce. Um and then he really does go to jail for, for this bond scheme. But in the movie, Nicky is so gallant and so noble. And he gets arrested and he immediately fesses up to what he's done. And he doesn't even want his lawyer to defend him because he immediately pleads guilty after he's turned himself in. And I'm going to go to prison. And so in real life, Nicky Arnstein goes into hiding after the warrant is issued for his arrest and he goes through tons of Fanny's money with no compunction, no pride. He spends a ton of it on his legal defense because he fights tooth and nail to stay out of jail, but he finally loses his case and goes to prison. And then he comes back to her and spends some more of her money after he gets out of jail before finally they split and he's gone forever. So anyway, that's the real Nick Arnstein. Well, he's a real keeper. Yeah, so that's part of... So, one of the questions you got to ask is, uh, why is this film so inspired? Dee, why do you like this movie so much? What do you get out of this? What lessons can we learn? How can this movie make us better people? Well, if you've ever felt like a black sheep... Yes. Or you didn't, this is... Uh, this is a movie to watch to kind of ride on the coattails of this black sheep's confidence, persistence. She's so driven, and she doesn't take any crap from anybody except for Nikki Arnstein. But she, you just want to be around her. You want to have some of what she's having. She makes you believe that you could be anything and do anything, and that's... Ten years ago for Christmas, my mom got me Funny Girl, and I've never been the same since. I, I didn't, I've, I cried during Old Yeller, but if an animal dies, you're going to cry. But I had. human. <laughs> but I just remember uh, when she sings My Man and having, you know, she's got a tear, and then it's like, oh, oh gosh, I have, I have a tear as well. But. Well, so much of Barbara She's is... so... I, aesthetically, I was just... I, I, I was also just perplexed that they thought she was an ugly duckling. I, I'm try, I was trying to grasp that, okay, maybe at the time, since I had already seen other women that looked different, by this time, to where it makes it to where I don't see her as an ugly duckling. But it's just like... She's the most, she's the prettiest thing I've ever seen. Like, she's gorgeous because she's so unique. Yeah. And you just are like, when you see her next to the Ziegfeld Follies, it's like, yeah, they're, those are beautiful women, but she, I want to look like her. And here I am, a Midwestern blonde girl, and my hero becomes a Jewish woman 
from Brooklyn, New York. Because well, I yeah, want that's, that's part of what I had never. I still have never had anybody that. I mean, I have feminist heroes that I admire, but there's nobody that. I had to have everything, Barbara. I named <laughs> my 4-H cattle. This is flattery. It's not an insult. I named one Omar, Fanny, Babs, Barbara, my favorite calf ever, Barbara. I did my hair, not like her. I meant to talk about my makeup. I did the proto Cleopatra for m- most of my, the rest of my high school and into some of my college. And she made me believe that I was going to go on Broadway. So I majored. I had no business doing this. This is how much she inspired me. I majored in music theory at a small Christian college. <laughs> but Just I was like, like I Barbara. was going to I was <laughs> but I was going to end up going to New York and I was going to end up doing Broadway. And, well, and I sang and, and, the way we were at my high school graduation. And who's to say that you wouldn't have made it big on Broadway? I mean, I'm <laughs> we'll not... We'll never know. We'll it could never still know. happen. It could still happen. But no, honestly, this is... Um, you do not take, uh, you know, love advice from Fanny Bryce in this movie, but... Yeah, she is inspiring. She, I mean, she Don't is the Don't you feel like you get, like, yes. an injection of something? You, she, I, yeah, it's the thrill. It's the rush. She's not an it's, arrogant... Com- a uh, confident person because most of the time if you have a confident person that's that confident there's some arrogance to them but she's just seems so fun to be around everybody loves her yeah it's it's that combination you, of, her. of there's some insecurity there because right. she knows that she's not beautiful in the traditional sense, but yet she is so comp- she knows that there's something inside her when she sings I'm the greatest star She's partly trying to convince herself, but there's part of her that really believes that that's true. And it's only because she believes it so much that it becomes true. Well, and I want to see, I, I'm pretty plain looking, so it's not to where I'm unique looking like Barbara. But I can, up, to, up against what um, other, what you would consider pretty or beautiful uh, girls at the time, I didn't stick out I, but I did have you know man hands ugly long toes broad shoulders so I just wasn't your typical what uh, boys at that time would consider hot yeah. so it was like I okay so if I don't have that I need to have some type of talent that I can hone yeah, and to the be real, attractive in that way the real that Fanny makes me Bryce. unique is like that too. If you look at pictures of Fanny Bryce, she's not ugly by any stretch of the imagination, but she is, when you see her making funny faces, you, you, you realize she is much more comic. She's only going to make it as a comic actress, not as a typical leading lady. She and is, I, I liked being the like witty, like that was kind of my thing, was being witty and... Yeah, and you see so many Hollywood uh, film stars, particularly women, who are all so statuesque, so gorgeous, so beautiful, that you wonder, you know, are they really that talented, or is it just that they had the right look? 
And in Barbara's case, no, this is she did not come straight off the assembly line as a Hollywood star. She becomes beautiful the more you see her, but she is unique looking. I mean, that nose, that face, that's not standard Hollywood beauty. So when you see her... she could have had that change. She could have had a nose job, but she didn't. Yeah. And that inspired other women to also, like, if you have actors that don't get a nose job, a lot of the women will say, because Barbara didn't um, get her nose changed. Yeah, so it's, I mean, when you see her make it, both Barbara and Fanny, the character, you start to think, yeah, maybe I could do it, too. But I, I mean, I would, I, I say that my life wouldn't be the same, or it got changed the moment I saw it. I think my persistence comes from, I mean, obviously, I would have had it in me, but I would say... Yeah, we all need heroes. We all need inspiration. And, you, yeah, you see a character like this, and you say, no, I, I need to... I'm going to stick to my guns. When I get to a situation like this where somebody doubts me or somebody starts to tell me no, I'm going to remember Barbara as Fanny Bryce, and I'm going to say, um, no, I'm doing it. So have I ever... Have you ever... Have I ever been... Like Barbara, uh, you know, I'd have to say in 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 my time dealing with you, I've never found you to be overbearing or uh, uh, overly assertive or insisting on having your never. That's right. Never. No. So I guess I am not like my hero. Well, uh, and I like to have my picture taken. I don't. <laughs> yeah, well. No, there's definitely, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, we'd all like to think that we've got some of that in us, but yeah, I definitely have seen that. Well, why do you think I liked this movie? Well, I I think... Why do you think it moved me so much? Well, I think it is just that. I think it is that story of, of, of I can can make it even though... um, Maybe not everybody immediately just looks at me and says, oh, you're going to be great. You're going to be a star. You can do anything you want. Um, It's about talent and persistence rather than um, stuff that you're just born with. You just luck into. Um, Well, maybe we should talk a little bit about, okay, Fanny is heroic. Fanny is inspiring. And so is Barbara. I mean, and, and... the difference between Barbara Streisand and and Fanny Bryce really gets kind of blurred the further we get along in this this the, the production of this movie is there ever going to be another character i mean it's it's based on a real life person Fanny Bryce but at the same time there's never going to be another character who's going to be more like Barbara Streisand than Barbara Streisand as Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl but then i think it begs the question is is Fanny Bryce completely inspiring is she is she also a flawed character and specifically what about that romance with Nick Arnstein well I think it's good that she's a flawed character because otherwise it's unbelievable expectations that you would have to put on yourself to be like I need to be the best star I need to be the best singer I need to be the best performer I need to be the best at all, everything, and also I'm going to be the best at having relationships. Yeah, well, and, and 
it's sorts you have to have your hero have a flaw even if it's something where you think like you were saying why does she stay with nick he's a putz he is yeah he's a jerk he's a rat he's and, a scoundrel and what did i say to you in the beginning of the movie wag. she says the famous line that she that barbara actually repeats when she wins the academy award but she says hello gorgeous like she's funny about it but then after that, her face is... Yeah, and actually the first time she says it, she says it when she meets Nick. She says it about him, and he clearly is gorgeous. Now, you talk about somebody who well, really is... Well, the line is, to where the, the groom is prettier than the bride. Yeah. Um, yeah, he is I, yeah. dashing. He is charming. He is debonair. He is... I guess Omar Sharif in real life was a womanizer as well. Yeah. Where and every woman... He had quite a list of... Women that he was with. Yeah. And the question, one of the questions is, when you are as big a personality as either Barbara Streisand or Fanny Bryce. And you're confident and you don't take anything from anybody. And you're a woman, can you actually have a man in your life who is equally successful? Or, or is he always going to have to play second fiddle? And is a man, particularly in 1930-ish going to be able to have his star be bigger than he is. Even if Nick wasn't a the real-life Nick, a jerk and a criminal and a con man and all that, even if he really was the charming guy that they depict him as in the movie, could he stand having his wife be more famous and more talented than him? Or is that just too much for his pride to bear? And if so, doesn't she deserve better? Why does she stick with this guy? Why stick with Nick? Again, back to the mirror, to where she doesn't, and there are mirrors in the beginning of the movie, or when the first flashback, she's looking in the mirror, Mm -hmm. and she's a confident whippersnapper, and she's like, hearing from her mother and Mrs. Strakosh that she is ugly. If a girl doesn't, isn't as pretty as as the Atlantic City, then... Yes. And she, but she believes that she she's looking in the mirror and she's like a millennial to where it's like, what are you old people talking about? I'm, I'm pretty, like and she. Yeah. So there's the, there's irony in that line. So she has that. Hello, gorgeous. It's like. But at the end, she doesn't believe it anymore. Yeah. It does I mean it's it's but, it's there and it's gone and it's there and it's gone. But he thought she was. He thought she was pretty. And we should mention that they're in, in kind of the craft of the filmmaking. There are a lot of mirrors in this this film. Uh, early on, yeah, she's looking in the mirror in her dressing room. There are actually multiple scenes where she's looking in the mirror in her dressing room. And when Nick comes back in, she sees him first in the mirror. And it's not just one mirror. It's it's the, the dressing room mirror that's got, you know, three sides to it. So we actually see two reflections of her in the mirror as she's looking at Nick. And it is it is partly how does she see herself? Does she see herself as gorgeous and successful and accomplished? And is that enough? Or does she see herself as the woman who needs love and this successful relationship and motherhood and and does she need Nick does she need to see herself through Nick's eyes or can she see herself alone through her own eyes no (laughs) Um, 
so anyway, that's I, I think that's that's part of what, even though the second half of the film is a little slow, as I said, and maybe a little sappy, and maybe the romance is is hard to believe because I don't I don't believe Nick's character. I just no. I don't. So you need to watch the first half, and then the last like eight minutes, because you do need the scene where she's in the where she says goodbye to Nick, to get the emotion for the what's going to make you choke up. Yeah, well, and people have, my man. have talked about, you know, why, why don't they remake this movie? Why don't they do a revival of this or whatever? They haven't even revived it on Broadway. Yeah. I and mean, how many other things, that people are still doing Cats and... <laughs> yeah, so many shows get get remade so many times. I mean, for gosh sake, they, they made, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird into a Broadway play. Uh, it doesn't matter how big the movie is. It doesn't matter how big the star is. Sooner or later, somebody says, oh, let's remake that. But not this one. The, you know, uh, nobody's going to recreate what what Barbara did. Um, mm-hmm. It is her movie. It is it is Barbara all the way. Um, so, okay. So, so, just some other notes uh, about this, this film. Uh as we said, I, I, I really think this is, it's, it's not necessarily a great script, uh, but it does get nominated for seven other Oscars. Uh, obviously, Barbara wins. She ties. A, yeah, she ties with Catherine Hepburn um, that year. But, hey, it's a win. A tie is a win. It counts as a win. Um, but and it, she wore a... She did, Apparently, she didn't know that it was going to be see-through in the lighting, but she wore a, she wore a, a jumpsuit, like a pantsuit. I mean. Uh huh. And it was see-through. Yeah. To the Academy Awards. Yes. Oh well, that makes a statement. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but it, oh, okay, it was also nominated for Best Picture, even though it didn't win. Uh, uh, Kay Medford, who plays Fanny's mother, one of the few supporting characters who actually does get to shine. Um, she also did it on Broadway with okay. Barbara. She played that. Uh, so, yeah, she was nominated but didn't win. Uh, Harry Stradling Sr. Uh, gets nominated the for the cinematography. Um, again, he's working with William Wyler. There's so uh, William Wyler has tremendous input into how this movie well, looks. And Barbara did, too, because his son, Harry Stradling Jr., said that his dad would just rave about Barbara and that she would notice when lighting had changed because she would say something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's also nominated for the, the original song, Funny Girl, which they wrote just for the movie. It had not been in the, uh, the Broadway show. But yeah, let's talk just a little bit about William Wyler because, yeah, people talk a lot about how much input Barbara has and how much even though it's her first movie, she exerts tremendous creative control over what happens. We do need to remember, this is William Wyler, who is an icon of Hollywood in his own right, and he's in his late 60s by the time this, this film comes out, um, so he's, he's already got his reputation established. He was known, along with his cinematographers, for developing the technique of deep focus, which is where you can what's both in the foreground and in the background or in in focus so you can do these really really interesting shots of two characters at the same time um 
the sets are also beautiful in this and you can see them crisply and clearly and the, the colors are fantastic um, this was um, lots of uh, well and we, t oh, we already talked about that don't worry in my parade sequence which you have to know what you're doing to pull that off um, this was his first musical and only musical that he ever directed I mean if you have your if you get to work with Barbara that's all you need yeah but, but of course he didn't want to do it initially no he's deaf yeah <laughs> pretty much so he's hard of hearing so he's like oh, I don't know it's yeah. a musical I kind of need <laughs> yeah apparently he's completely deaf in one ear and maybe not so good in the other and yeah what am I doing directing a, uh, a musical but I guess yeah. Gene Kelly was considered, which he eventually did uh, direct Barbara and Hello, Dolly. Oh, and uh, uh, somebody, uh, Sidney Lament was uh, originally the director, and... He couldn't hang. He couldn't hang with Barbara. Yeah, yeah. Our, our sources just say, uh, you know, creative, <laughs> creative differences. Yeah. Uh, but that kind of sounds like Barbara. <laughs> Barbara differences. Um, so anyway, William Wyler gets brought in after they're already up and running with it. Uh, but uh, more about William Wyler. He is, he's known not only for the deep focus, but also that he does really, really long sequences where he lets the camera roll really long takes. And he got 13 different performers to win Best, Osc Oscar, uh, Best Actor Oscars under his direction. Audrey Hepburn also won an Oscar for her first ever film performance under his direction. Uh, he d uh, directed Betty Davis to an Oscar and Laurence Olivier, and Laurence Olivier in particular credited William Wilder for getting him to understand the differences between acting on the stage and acting on film. So he probably deserves a little more credit than he gets um, for what he and Barbara did together. Um, and then you learned some interesting stuff about Omar Sharif. Yeah, uh, life uh, imitates art. So Omar Sharif, uh, he was from Egypt, and his uh, mom was a gambler, and he also got the gambling bug. So he was a lot like Nick Yarnstein, where his two mistresses were playing bridge and breeding horses. And he... He even went to jail once, right? He went to jail once for hitting a police officer. And so this was in his late, later years, so I think he started to stop gambling. He used to smoke 100 cigarettes a day. Ooh. And he had a couple of books, like uh, Playing Bridge with Omar Sharif. And, yeah, he just never really found love because... He, like I said, his mistresses were gambling. He had plenty of women. Oh, and including? He, uh, Barbara. So there was an affair happening. They were both married at the time. She was married to Elliot Gould, who was also like Nick Yarnstein, where he couldn't handle couldn't that hang. his wife <laughs> was successful and had a better career than he did. So they had a rocky marriage by the time she's doing this film. At the end... Uh, let's see, in 71, I believe they get divorced. And he said it was hard to be married to somebody who was so married to their success. But, yeah, so they had their... When she's singing My Man, this is at the end of 
their affair. That the affair lasted for the sh- four months that it took to shoot the film, and at the end, it's like the movie where it has to end. And so she, she couldn't get the Barbara couldn't get the emotion needed for the scene by lip syncing, so they had her sing it live, and Wyler had Omar hide behind or like be behind the curtains, and then they would talk to her. They would talk to each other between takes, to, and you can see that. What a tortured soul. And it comes through. It, it comes does. through. It was worth song. it for the yeah. art. But, um, but well, and like I said, if you, you're going to call yourself a professional gambler, you're going to run into all kinds of problems. Yeah. And he had, Omar uh, Sharif did, he had just problems. like Nikki did, and yeah. He had lots of debts. He had to sell a lot of his houses, and he would say that he would take really bad movies just to pay off his debts. Yeah, it is hard to hang on to your pride when you're broke, and it's hard not to go broke if uh, you think you're going to do nothing but gamble with with your life. And so he, um, also, during the filming, there's a six-day war, so you have Israel and Egypt, and Barbara's a, she's Jewish, obviously, and she's very pro-Israel, and Omar wrote in one of his autobiographies that he was really... There was a lot of pressure for people to fire him, and a lot of the investments in production were from Jewish backers. So there was a lot of pressure for them to fire him, but Weiler said, if he goes, I go. And also, they Barbara and Omar's press release is seen in Egypt that they're kissing, and Egypt, uh, there's like a campaign to try to revoke his citizenship yeah. not happy in, the in Egypt. East. Yeah, the Arab countries are not happy that one of their own is is um, doing a love scene, uh, a, a romantic movie with a Jewish woman in America while this war is going on. And, and uh, especially because the war doesn't go so well for the Arab countries, this is how Israel gets a lot of its territory that it's still holding on to today, even though it's not... Um, officially legally part of Israel yet. Um, another note, the, the producer of this film is uh, Ray Stark, who is married to one of Fanny Bryce's uh, children. And so uh, the, the part of the reason that, even though this movie is mostly faithful to Fanny's story, it does gloss over some of the problems in that relationship and it maybe shows Fanny as being um, less maybe well just to stick with a guy like Nicky Arnstein it seems like there's got to be something maybe a little bit wrong with you uh, in that that you put up with all of this that you that you take so much from this guy and that might be part of the reason that Nicky Arnstein comes off better in this movie is so that Fanny it makes more sense for her to, to, to stick with him. Well, and he, Ray Stark, really wanted Barbara to do the part, but the studio was not so convinced to take a risk on somebody who has never done a film. And so Anne Bancroft was offered the part, Shirley MacLaine, and Ray Stark was like, it was either Ray Stark or Weiler who said, well, if they're not Jewish, they at least have to have a nose. <laughs> <laughs> well, they certainly got all of all of what they were asking for. And it was the highest grossing film of the year in 1968. 
So they were able to pay for that boat scene, I would say. Any other notes as we finish up here? No, I... I just... I... I'm telling you, I've never... Yes, you're right. I will never have another movie that moves me like this to where I have to have everything of that actor's... Everything, Barbara. As we're recording this, I have a Barbara blanket that you gifted me. Yeah. That has her face all over it. Got the Barbara blanket in the uh, leopard coat and hat that she wears in the opening scene of this movie. Also, it is... Barbara... Uh, was born in, in April as well. So April 24th is Barbara Day. And I I thought it was so cool that she was born in 42 and I was born in 92. So it makes it really easy for me to remember how old yeah. she is. You're almost like twins. Basically. Really. Sisters. I mean, well. the, the similarities between you and Barbara are so striking yeah. that... Um, We're the same person. Practically. Yeah. Well, and also she's uh, very political. At the time, that could have ruined, you know, her being my hero, but it didn't. And she wrote a song, uh, Don't Lie to Me, about... One of our presidents. One of our presidents. One of our presidents who she felt is... is, Lying uh, to her. You don't lie to Barbara. Less than honest. Only Nikki Arnstein can lie. That's right. But anyway, so she's really an incredible person. So, you know, we always welcome feedback. um, No, we don't. On our... uh, Well, well, I'm just going to say, in in this particular instance, if you have anything negative to say about this, this film, or Barbara... Or her then you're an awful person. Then you really should not give us that that feedback. Okay. Well, before we go, bad things will happen. Bad things will definitely happen. Why do you think it works up? It's the Barbara show. Do you? Well, first of all, it's it's if they had gotten. I mean, Shirley McLean is a fantastic performer, and Bancroft is an incredible actor. But Would they have been able to carry this movie? It is still incredibly difficult to imagine anybody but Barbara Streisand doing this role. And why do you think people diminish Barbara's acting career because she never did anything like this again? I mean, is it her fault that this is... I'm sorry, this is her first movie... Yeah, it's the. I'm sorry, it's not her her. like last movie or her middle of her career where she gets to build up to where it's like improvement. It's this is the first thing she is offered, and she hits it out of the park. Yeah, and she. I mean, she has other performances later in her career that are that are quite good. We've already talked about the way we were, and she's she's wonderful in that movie. There's no singing in it except for the uh, the title song, Um, but. This is just the part that seems to have been written for her. She embodies it. There's there's really nobody else. And again, you have to have somebody, not only who's an enormous talent, but they also have to have this unique look to them. You have to be able to buy into the notion that... She is Fanny Bryce, and people see Fanny Bryce, and they say, Fanny Bryce isn't all that pretty. How is she going to be a Ziegfeld girl? And then the talent hits you, and you are overwhelmed, and you say, 
How could there have ever been anybody else but Fanny Price? How could there have ever been anybody else but Barbara Streisand? They are just perfect. So what what did you think of the movie when you first saw it? Clearly, you didn't have the same. <laughs> but I mean, I th I would have seen this for the first time. Uh, I don't even remember. But I I would have been much much younger, maybe high school, maybe college, and I think. I loved the first half, and and I even um, very much identified with with Fanny Bryce's character, and when she first gets on the stage, and when she does that roller skating number, and she gets discovered, and all that. I think for me, the second half, when it ends up in in the romance, then I lost it a little bit. I mean, it, I still enjoyed it, but I didn't didn't hang with it quite till the end. Um, maybe the, the way some other people did. Hmm. No, but I, I really hope everybody finds their funny girl movie. Like, you have your... Yours was Casablanca, so you have your Humphrey Bogart, who's much like Barbara Streisand, very much where like he looks a, yeah, very different, much but they're both confident, and we both were attracted to that in our short heroes. short and scrawny and uh, a little ugly, and um, but yet he is a hero. And, yeah, that's why... That's, that's what makes him, for me an even greater hero than if he had been handsome and dashing and charming and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's Humphrey Bogart. It's not Cary Grant or whatever, just like with you. It's Barbara Streisand. Mm -hmm. It's not... We've talked about Greer Garson, classic beauty, She's great not my performer. Hero. She's not my hero. Yeah, but you don't identify with Greer Garson unless you see yourself as being this ravishing, you know, woman. Barbara, you can say, hey, I'm... I'm not your average person. I'm not your average I big star. I love that star. she goes yeah. against the grain and that she's just a sight for sore eyes. Yeah. But everybody needs to find their Barbara. Yeah. And find your Barbara. Find your hero. Find your person who makes it to, by going against the grain. Live that life. Be persistent. Be best. Be best. Be, <laughs> be your best. I'm sorry. Be your best. Be your best. Okay. Be your best. All right. Well, thanks. For thanks for tuning in. We don't know what we're going to do next, but we'll we'll find something good for you. It won't be as good as this. <laughs> That's right. Bye. Bye.